Well, welcome once again to the Motor Cult Podcast. I'm Eric Berger, and with me, as always, is Ryan Sinitsky. Hello there. And uh, we normally have a third with us, Ryan, but... Yes, uh, it's unfortunate. Our sound engineer, Corey, was on his way here, had to get go back into his house, and was horribly carried away by wolves. But doesn't he live in a downtown area? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, St. Paul isn't as well developed as Minneapolis, so. Well, you do have a fair point there. They, as a St. Paul resident, I think that that is that is accurate. Yeah, so they, he, they just have wolves there. I mean, will he get better? Is he only I, mostly dead? I, I don't know. We don't know where he is. He's oh. currently with wolves, so I, I can only I can only imagine that he's horribly maimed. Well, we will look into that after the podcast, I suppose. Well, on that somber note, let's carry forward. <laughs> well, let's carry forward, yeah. So the first thing I want to talk about, switching up a little bit this week, is uh, project car stuff. And by that, I mean, of course, just cars that we buy to be daily drivers, and then they turn into project cars because of mechanical failures. Exactly so, what happened to me. Uh, well, me too. <laughs> I'm going to start, so you can follow. Um, I have a couple of Fiat 500s. I've got the 2013 electric gray Fiat 500, and then I've also got a red 2012 Prima Edizione, number 398 of 500. Is That's it right. really called Prima Edizione? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like... a sport with all the options, but the first 500 500s brought to this country were called Primas, Prima Edizione. So it's okay, got like so, little so badges it's not, it's on it. It's not just it you being like no, really douchey. It actually and... has a plaque on the dash that says Prima Edizione 398 of 500. That's going to be collectible one day, possibly. Maybe. But Maybe. I'm just treating it like a beater. So anyway, that car, <laughs> I uh, I lent it to a roommate a couple of weeks ago, and he drove it up to like Hibbing, Minnesota, because he needed something with fuel economy. Um, so I'm like, sure, just throw him the keys. He texts me 45 minutes into the drive. He's like, hey, man, this thing just popped out of fifth gear on me like three times. I'm like, no. No, thing's been perfect. My brother bought it brand new and... Does he know how to drive a manual? He does. Okay, because so, fifth, fifth gear is a weird gear to pop out of. Like, that I, one you're usually kind of going pretty easily into. I agree, which is why I'm like, well, he was in fifth. It wasn't like he was shifting to it, so either it's a linkage adjustment problem or there was something else. I figured it was a linkage problem. Wasn't too worried about it. He said it didn't happen on the way home. I'm like, all right, whatever. Not thinking too much of it. The car gets back. I start daily driving it because why not? Yeah. And I didn't bother to check anything and i drove it probably another 350 miles something like that and i was in fourth gear just trying to avoid fifth until i could check it out because it's one to one fourth and i figured the gear set in there would tolerate abuse a little bit more if there was some issue yeah and i tried to downshift into third and it's not there and then i try to upshift to fifth it goes in but it's making like dry gear noise so i'm like uh oh that's not good. Luckily, at the time, I was only about two miles away from our podcast studio here down at the Motoplex. So I jacked up the car, took out the fill plug, and... Sorry, somebody just walked by outside. That's weird. Took out the fill plug, and I put about a quart of Redline MT90 into it, and then it started hemorrhaging out of the axle seal of the transmission. And this thing takes about two and a half quarts full. So it was empty. Oh. And Yeah, some like black metallic fluid came out. So... I just immediately set the car back down, put the plug in, and drove back home, and the car is still sitting there. But about two years ago, FCA was sued by my sibling who owned the car at the time to... It's a long story. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised that your brother would sue them. Well, they made the first 2012 cars with a different control arm design, and then they superseded it and stopped supporting that control arm. So the car had 60,000 miles on it, and it had a ball joint fail. And in order to replace the ball joint, you had to replace both knuckles, both front wheel bearings, both control arms, because they're all a different style. They're different diameter shanks. They're not interchangeable. So my brother's like, this is a 60,000-mile car. It's just out of warranty. That's ridiculous. I'm not paying for that. So we actually sued FCA and won. 
That's amazing. So he had to pay the equivalent of one control arm repair cost, but they covered everything else. So it had a whole new front end, basically. But so to did, go back did, to... Did they pay for his legal fees? Uh, well, he's a lawyer, so he didn't Oh, have yeah, that's fees. why he's so litigious, yeah. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just in our nature. Um, where was I going with... Oh, anyway, when they do that job, they have to pull the half shafts out of the transmission to pull the knuckles off the car. And you think that they I think they do. damaged the seals and just nobody ever checked the fluid. I mean, the car has 90K on it, and it's never had a trans fluid flush or anything, but... Yeah, that probably makes sense. Those because 3K are... isn't that far, really. No. Oh. I mean, there's a lot of manual transmission cars that'll do 100K without a fluid service and be fine. I've... Yeah, no, I drove my A791 Civic, and I drove that for about a year and a half, and then I discovered that there was zero transmission fluid. That's the thing. Usually, they make it, a lot of noise before any real make, damage happens. It didn't happens. make any work. Oh. It made no noise at all. That's pretty terrifying. Yeah, so I just, when I was doing an engine swap, I was going to drain the tranny fluid to, you know, make it a little bit lighter to pull out, and then, oh, no, there's nothing to dra drain. Hmm. I had a transfer case like that come in. I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is oddly shaky. And then it was really smooth after I put fluid in it. Strange. Yeah, very strange. But anyway, I uh, decided to just replace the transmission because axle seals are $170 or something for the pair. And how much is a training? I paid $218 for a 40,000-mile transmission. And are you, there are were a lot to choose it? from. Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. That's why I bought a used trans. Like, after the training cooled down in my Fiat, the third gear came back. Like, I don't know exactly what was going on with, like, the... I'm guessing it was a synchro that was overheating and not, like, falling in correctly or something. So, like, yeah, all the probably. gears are still there, but I'm not going to risk it when a trans was, like, the same price as axle seals. Yeah, so. no, it's, it's silly. So, that's sitting on a pallet outside of my garage, which now has snow on it because we got, like, the fifth winter last night. Yeah, uh, that I did not know it was going to happen. I washed my car. It looked awesome. Me too. And then, surprise, it looks like Hoth. Mm. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, you, you had me at Hoth. Anyhow. So, um, yeah, I've got uh, my own fun project story. Um, we were, when we have our episodes here, we always kind of write down our topics because otherwise we just sit here and babble on about something that doesn't matter. Right. And I was going to write about how it's literally impossible to find a Toyota 7M GE cylinder head in reasonable condition. Shocking. Oh, why? Because they're all warped and cracked from head gasket Pre failures? Precisely, Interesting. Yes. I didn't I know, know that those were susceptible. absolutely shocking. <laughs> well, because I was going to rebuild it, and it's like, I had a good friend of mine, uh, a guy around town, uh, his name's Troy Ma, and uh, everybody in the Japanese car community knows him. I just have sure. him rebuild the cylinder head, but like, the head just needs so much work. It needed like $900 worth of work, because basically everything was dicked. Was it cracked, it. or was it just no, it wasn't. It was warped like a 45 degree angle or something. It's just horrible. Yeah, I guess when I overheated, I was just going to get it home because I knew it was, like, oh, I knew sure. it was toasted at I've that point. I've done that, for sure. Yeah, like it was already toasted at that point. So I was like, I drove it home. And I was like, all right, let's see how bad the damage is. Anyway, it was catastrophic. It's more fun when you have a temperature gauge that reads digitally. Like, oh, my God. I overheated Unicorn <laughs> 2.0. I had the same thing happen. I was like, because, you know, I went through like five head gaskets on that yeah. car before I figured out it was ignition timing with the turbo. Yeah. And I was like four miles from home. I'm like. Screw this. I, I don't care about this head. And it was like, the, I got home and it was like 420 degree cylinder head coolant temp. I'm like, oh my God. And the head was not even cracked. But anyway, sorry. What is the melting point of copper? I feel like there's things in the engine that would melt at that point. Well, I mean, it's sodium filled exhaust valves, hardened steel and aluminum. So yes, yeah. I don't think aluminum's um, going to melt at that temp. But, but anyway, so as I found out, I used to be a car salesman Subaru and they, you know, gave me a... It's like a little credit card of like money that they owed me. Sure. Or I guess a debit card of money that they owed me. Uh -huh. And I totally forgot about it. You I'm sure like, it wasn't EBT? No. 
it's kind of like EBT. Okay. But it's for car parts or whatever whatever you feel like. But anyway, so I just like basically came into like you know six hundred bucks. I didn't know I was gonna have. And I'm like, cool. Very nice. Now budgeting and fixing one of my cars. So I was looking for a cylinder head for a Cressida. Took me a week and a half to find one. Eventually, I found the, an entire engine for four hundred bucks, which is a, nice a, locally. Yeah, like in St. Paul. Oh heck so yeah. So it's probably just surrounded by wolves, and that's why it's so cheap. So. <laughs> Um, these are the things we really have to worry about. These yeah, days. so I was, I was talking to the guy. I'm like, well, hey, I'll, I'll pay 400 bucks. I really don't want the automatic tranny that comes with that because a 7M automatic tranny is impossible to get rid of because nobody wants them, ever. Nobody sure. ever. Well, well so, it's because everyone swaps to a 1J or something, right? It, yeah, exactly. Or but like any other... good engines. Nah. Nah. They're, they're, they they're, can be. They can be made to the, be good engines. The 7M GTE is a good engine. The 7M GE is but, hot garbage. But they're both Yamaha-built engines, aren't they? Heads. Okay. But the, the difference is the block. Like, to get all the 7M GTE stuff so onto the bottom a 7M different. GE. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, like, it all bolts together. But, like, the GTE has, like, oil squirters and different rods. Different. I think it's got different crank, different pistons. But they can actually handle power to sure. a degree, whereas the 7M GE will explode the second you hit, like, 300 horsepower. No, is that inherent in the actual block, or is that a bottom-end component design issue? It's a bottom-end component design. Well, I mean, it's not really an issue. It's just, like, you know, they designed it, like, 200 horsepower coming out of a six-cylinder in 1986 when they first introduced that engine was mind-blowing. Sure. So, you know, the fact that they even were making 200 on that, because you have to think, like... 200 horsepower, that's not too far off from what a Corvette made back then. So Corvette when was it like, was released, I think that was probably what they were making. Uh, yeah, because like the, the C4 Corvette, I think around like 86, 87, was making about like 245 or so. Sure. But anyway, so... I'm not even sure if it was that much. The TPI 350 was making not much. It made a lot of torque. But... Yeah, well, that's the thing. They tune them for torque. Cause it's, right. it's easier to make torque while still hitting emissions well, goals. Well, when you've got that fabulous Doug Nash 4 plus 3... <laughs> We can talk about that. In fact, I'm going to add that to my notes as something for a future day. Future ridiculous transmission transmission. Sorry designs. about the typing noise for a second, everybody. But anyway, so I got this engine. Um, it's 400 bucks, but I was talking to the guy, and that's what's so hilarious about it, because nobody wants these transmissions. Right. He decided to say, all right, I'll give you the engine and the transmission, and I'm going to knock off $100 so you stop bothering me about it, because I do not want to separate them. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> <I've>, okay. <laughs> so basically, by being lazy, I'll inadvertently i guess lowballed the guy down a hundred bucks <laughs> so i guess now i have to go find myself like an automatic supra or something that needs a tranny and happens to have a good head and that can sell a car and make my money back and then some see i've had i've done that to people when i've been selling like a cheaper crappier car kind of almost a parts car but it runs and drives yeah. like i'll get offers like oh i should just sell me the motor then i'll just quote them the same price i'm asking for the car yeah, because like, you don't want to deal with it. No, and it it's comes totally with a free fair. car. Yeah. It's totally fair. Yeah, so... It's like, there's a reason why it's so cheap. It would be more expensive if I was splitting it into components. So, yeah, anyway, the guy, the guy I'm, I'm buying it from, he's actually a really cool guy in town. Uh, his name's Nuke Vang. Nuk Vang? N-O-U-K. He runs Drive Cartel. It's oh, a, sure. I've yeah, heard of that. Yeah, yeah, he runs Drive Cartel, and he's actually a really cool guy. So, he was originally... Well, a name like that, of course he is. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, um... He was originally going to put the engine into a X70 Cressida, which is the generation right before mine. What year range was that? That was uh, mid-80s. I, okay. I'm not sure exactly. Well, it's like 80, 
85 to 80. I think I know what you're talking think, about. 85 to 87 or something. I'm aware yeah. of two distinct design languages that Cressida's in this country, so I'm guessing it's the so earlier of the two. Yeah, well, there's also a, like a middle one that looked almost identical. So there's a, the, mine is actually a fourth gen. And the second and third gens, like if you saw, if you didn't know anything about Toyota, yeah. you'd think that they were just like a, like a facelift, but they're two totally different generations of cars. Did we get all four generations here? We got all four Cressidas. Wow. Okay. But like they continued them like and I think oh, it's like the early two thousands in Japan and everywhere right. else in the world. So but yeah, that's that, that was kinda cool that I was able to get that. So I'm like I'm like surprised. I'm like, cool. Now my crest doesn't be running and now I now I have a running car. Sure. During next winter I can now concentrate on getting a W fifty eight transmission, all the swap components and making it proper the way God intended with the manual transmission. Correct. So. I do remember being quite livid with you when I found out that you bought a Oh, God, you, you didn't talk auto. to me for a week. It might have been more than a week. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not but even anyway, exaggerating. <laughs> then you bought the Mazda 5 and all just was well with the world. Because yes, that's exactly. Because yeah. because the minivan's cooler than a luxury a manual minivan. Like, driver's sedan. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. You want to talk about practicality. and This, is, this is something that car people only understand. Right. Like, to the general public, oh, saying... I traded in, or like I swapped out of daily driving a luxury sedan to drive a minivan. Everybody goes, "Oh, you had children." I'm like, "No, I didn't have children. Oh, I'm, I'm I just wanted, a, I wanted a better driver's car." That's I get that a lot with Mr. <laughs> Wags. Like, "Oh, you have kids?" I'm like, "No, I just wanted a badass wagon." I wanted, yeah, yeah, you just want a badass car. And plus, the thing with the van is, you know, I can take. I, I have done this, taking the van down a 50 mile an hour stretch of road in Mexico. And I was going 70, and there was a guy with... Allegedly. M- yes, in Mexico. Correct. And there was a man in Mexico with an M3 next to me going, eh, maybe five over. I fly past an over, uh, like an overpass, and there's a cop sitting there. Cop obviously clocks me, because there's no way he's a pull anybody over for me five over. And he goes up and pulls over the M3, and I just, like, slow down a little bit. I'm like, well, I guess on paper, nobody would ever believe when there's an M3 right there. That, that'd be my total criminal defense. <laughs> well for me in the electric fiat like i keep planning like i'm gonna get pulled over in it someday because i drive that thing like i'm you know just, you're full I'm throttle all the time yeah. exactly and i'll tell them like officer the car can't go that fast it's electric <laughs> and then they'll be like oh interesting it can only go so fast it just gets there immediately right yeah. <laughs> anyway it's insult to injury you like you can still feel how hard the car is still pulling at 88 <laughs> and then it just stops. I'm like, come on, man. I know you did it to conserve the battery or the motor or whatever, but just let me be abusive. So I want to kind of step back to your whole concept of, like, the badass wagon driver's car. For sure. Because at my day job at the repair shop I work yeah. at, we have your coworkers. I remember. I towed um, it there with the yes. most competent tow driver I've ever met with AAA. You see, that's the thing. You're completely wrong. That guy might have been the worst tow truck driver on earth yeah i was being a little facetious that guy was absolutely horrible but he got it there after like four times as long as it should normally take to drive that distance yeah and he almost took out two cars in the parking lot pulling in his truck too so <laughs> yeah guy, you win some you lose some really. I, I guess yeah but anyway uh, so basically this is what's going on here your coworker drives a audi a4 1.8t manual wagon the b6 yeah yeah B6. first year at the five speed yeah first year at the five speed it's a you know that that would be a, a, a kind of a cool car for a vag product it doesn't get much more solid than that yeah exactly well anyway we don't know yet that engine might be toasted and if that, was, that engine's toasted 
the repair cost would be more than the car is worth. Well, so of course. You're, so your your coworker is going to be looking for a new car. So potentially, we're thinking about trying to figure out what would he drive. Well, I mean, what would right. be a good we driver's car? We talked about car? this on Thursday. Yeah, we were talking about this the other yeah. day. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we were wondering what is a car that you would get for a non-car person? Mm-hmm. Kind of. He's not really a car. Well, person. he he appreciates his car. He likes manual transmissions. He loves wagons. He's he's a yeah no that's exactly it. He, he's an he, IT. Appre- he appreciates yeah. driving, exactly. but he's not a driving enthusiast. Correct. He, just he likes a it. practical, fun to drive vehicle. So. He's like me when I go to a golf course. I appreciate golf. I would not call myself a golf enthusiast. Correct. But you know, he's it's, trying to it's, learn. It's cool. Too, so I, yeah. I, I I get the appeal. So, yeah. What what would you recommend? Because everything I recommend, it'd be like, oh, you get Peugeot two five hundred five turbo diesel wagon with well, a manual. But I'm see, also, the thing is, I've actually thought about this a little bit since then too, as I can tell you have. And yeah, yeah I'm not going to recommend an old French car because the thing is, I mean, he, I mean, he has he has enough money. It's fine. I mean, he makes decent money at NIT, but he wants to have a car that he doesn't have to think about too much. I'm not going to say it's an appliance, but I want something kind of fifty fifty. I don't want BMW V8 reliability, but it doesn't necessarily need Honda reliability. So the first couple... He wants like a a driving toy appliance, basically. Right, but it needs to have a nice interior because he's used to a B6. I I would call that a driver's appliance. Sure. Yeah, a driver's appliance. Because a driving appliance is like a Camry. Exactly. But is it, it's a car. It's like a just, Fiat 500E. It's a car that doesn't put you to sleep. Right. That's what it is. Exactly. You still look back at it when you get out of it, but it's nothing special. You can replace it. So when I was thinking, I was thinking about uh, if we could ever find one, a Volvo V70R. Yeah, like the 2004 to 2006 or whatever. It's such a, it, it's such a, it's fairly cheap. It's actually been on my radar personally for a long time. If I ever found one yeah. for reasonable money, I'm I would just buy it. I'm looking for one for my father as well, because he's got his G35 that's on his deathbed, so. I was going to say, I drove by that on the street yesterday, and like the driver's door was ajar. I'm like, yeah, that's probably fine. Yeah, it's kind of how the whole car is. The whole cool. thing is just kind of falling to pieces. <laughs> but no, a V70R, I think, is an awesome choice, because it's got the space he's used to, in fact, mm-hmm. more space, because it's a Volvo. Yeah. More power. Yeah. Probably the same Mish reliability. I mean, they're not unreliable engines by any stretch, but still a Volvo with a five-cylinder yeah. and some boost. So, But that's all-wheel drive, which he's used to, which I don't care about, but he probably does because he is not a winter tire swapper yet. And he has all-wheel drive right now. Correct. And so. the interior is much nicer in the V70 than it is yes. in and the Audi. I personally, I would normally, if he was like remotely a car guy, would recommend... Oh, get him like a Subaru Legacy, but the thing is, he's gonna be put off like immediately because I know what he's gonna do. He's gonna find one. He's gonna talk to me first of all. Well, no, he's gonna find one that's got like ninety thousand miles, and I go, I got a great deal. When most Subaru enthusiasts know that any Subaru between eighty to one hundred twenty thousand miles, you just you price in head gaskets. If you get one over that, head gaskets have been done. You don't have to worry about that ever again in your life. Yeah, it's like a BMW in bushings. It's yeah, the exactly. Same you just, time. You, I tell people not to buy 100,000-mile cars. I, I think that they actually like depreciate in value and then reappreciate after that period. It's entirely possible. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised by that. So, yeah, that's the thing. It's like I was racking my brain all week, and that's when I came up with the V70R. And I, other than that, like maybe like a BMW 5 Series wagon with yeah, a main, I was with thinking a all wheel with X drive. Well, unfortunately, all of our 5 Series wagons from the E61 vintage were all wheel drive. We never got a rear wheel drive one, but we did get six speed. Um, something that's also on the same kind of vein as the E91, the 3 Series from 06 to yeah. 2011. Uh, finding a, a six speed all wheel drive one isn't really that hard. Um, my six speed rear wheel drive one obviously is like the giant unicorn of the world. 
Yeah, no, yours is just... I've, There's fewer than 200 in the country, but the all-wheel drive one... I was just saying, the drive one, just like that, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, so the all-wheel drive one is certainly possible if we can find one. Uh, beyond that, I was actually thinking I, I first gravitated towards a TSX. Yeah, if, he, if he's willing to give up all-wheel drive, I mean, that's the way to go. I mean, that or... Right, but the, the wagon... six, like, maybe... The wagon TSX is not offered at a manual, nor was the first-gen IS Sportback, or Sport Cross, whatever they called it. I think, yeah, I think it was called Sportback. So, yeah, I remember it was... It, no, Sport Break, I think. That could be. It was one of those, yeah. It had Sport in it, I sport don't know. Sport and some sort of wagon terminology. But then I came it. back to, well, okay, he does like the practicality of the wagon, but he doesn't necessarily need it. Most of the time when I see him loading up servers and computers to go between the shop building and our office, I see him putting it in the back seat. So I think with a reasonably sized trunk... In a back seat, he could he could make it work. So, after that, I came up with the W two hundred four Mercedes C three hundred sedan, which is like that the two thousand eight. Oh, was the, the first one. year. Oh, okay, I think they're really handsome cars, and you can get a six speed manual on the C three hundred. Yes. Well, the thing is, you gotta stay away from because those six cylinders have those issues with the balance shaft, and that they it, really don't. Really, because the, the big issues the, the are, had that. Right, those are the earlier ones. That's the M one twelve. This is the M two seven two. These okay. have a couple problems, but they're really minimal. I mean, the they have active uh, shutter flaps in the intake manifold. On those jam up. Uh, yeah, the, there's a little plastic cam on the outside that breaks. And it's not a individual part, so you have to replace the intake manifold. However, there are no companies that make a billet aluminum replacement for this plastic part. Perfect. And it's a pretty quick fix. Plus, it probably looks like a million bucks, too. So. Honestly, yeah, it, it looks like I can every interior time, is really Every time nice. you can replace a plastic piece in the metal piece, it'll be more reliable and look better. Exactly. Yeah. It's just engineering, you know, how they decide to cost engineer it or if it's, you know, designing a more inexpensive part to fail first or something like that. But we've got the the GL450 and that's got the V8 derivative of that engine and I think we have 170,000 miles on it now and I've been the one maintaining it. And so, fine. so but you like, know it all is, about it's them. perfect. Like it nothing has ever gone wrong. We still have the original little plastic variable vein piece in it still and so, another thing i would normally say is like well this guy's used to audi maintenance mm -hmm. so he's used to just getting reamed in the, the sphincter every single time he but drives. it's a 1.8 t exactly so that's as i say like normally i would say if it was like a 200 t like every time he walks past a, i would a never have started shot. talking to him or help him out if it was a 200 t <laughs> same thing if that car was a three liter v6 i would have just laughed in his face and told him to get a ride home in a cab yeah just get any other car please <laughs> like, but no the one the 180 t is like a great engine but yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, uh, under nor normal circumstances, I would say, okay, cool. This opens up a whole other world of cars that are Ryan, less reliable than normal. You just said but... a whole other. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, jeez. I'm sorry. A whole other world. Thank you. Of cars that are, um... oh, Jesus. <laughs> I just knocked over we're my still, microphone. We're still refining. I've, I've upgraded the equipment even since last week. So, so yeah. So, if it was a normal Audi, it would just open, like, it opened up a whole other world of cars thank you that are less reliable than normal but still more reliable than audi sure so but i on that vein i didn't go with the quirkier you know more in line with what he's used to maintenance vehicles my next choice was a uh, second gen is all-wheel yes. drive with a six-speed i got I think you could get a 250 with a manual could you not Actually, you, didn't you can confirm. yes you okay. can you can get the is250 with a manual actually my friend jojo she was looking for a car because she had crashed her rav4 over i remember winter. you telling me about yeah that. and um yeah so she ended up with is250 because like that's like a perfect car like if you want a car that's like about 80 percent as awesome as a three series and has the maintenance of a toyota 
It you can't is. go wrong. Right. It's literally that. It's just perfect. But I agree. I mean, I, that the second gen IS when it came out, I'm like, that's a really good car. And I actually really like the third gen looks myself. It's actually really growing on me too, but I think those aren't in budget. The, the third sure. gen is at the Predator. That's the one with the sneezy face and the big body line diagonal thing on the side. But the rear three quarter on that car, I oh, think, is a, really. I stunning. think that might be one of the best rear three quarters of the last five to ten years. Agreed. But it's got a lot that, of LFA in it, and I like that. That the front's very not front great. is yeah. just it looks like Predator when he takes off his mask. It's just horrible. It just looks like me when I sneeze. Maybe that's the same thing. <laughs> but anyway, I think between those cars, the only other thing I really came up with that I'm like, oh, this is a great fit, is the first gen BMW X3. The first couple of years, it had that. <sighs> I just, I, I can't. It, the, it's, it's a crossover though. I know, but it's at least based on the E46 3 Series, and it's a pretty light vehicle. It's still a crossover. It's still overweight. I would recommend high center gravity. a sedan with a six-speed before I would recommend this X3. I, I, I would recommend a Mitsubishi Mirage before I recommend any crossover. On that ever. note, I guess let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> uh, speaking, actually, I, I do want to, because you've been looking to find a particular car for yeah. a while, and the, it's the Fiat 124, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. So I last year... The Fiat. The Fiat, of course. That's what all the uh, other journalists are calling it anyway. So when the ND came out, um, we knew from the news leading up to the release that they were doing it with a joint venture with FCA. And the speculation and the original intent was for it to be an Alfa Romeo. But then at the last minute, they switched it over to the Fiat brand as the 124. The sheet metal changed, obviously. Um, not a lot of anything else changed because most of the components inside of the vehicle are a Miata. Everything yeah. from the soft top to the suspension is Miata. It just has a, well, yeah, a Fiat 500 engine. In it. Oh, I guess. Yep, it's the yeah, Barth a, a, a engine. Barth, mm -hmm. The Barth turbo engine, yeah. Who is hammering outside? What is going what on? What is that? <laughs> anyway, no, I, I've been seeing them at the auto show the last couple of years, and um, I've sat in one. I've deliberately held off from driving one just because I think that I'm going to go to a dealership with my Boxster and just make a deal and i don't really want to do that before yeah. they've had another year or two to well probably another year to depreciate but yeah. there's yeah that, that's been on my radar because i really love miatas i love how they drive but the sheet metal on the 124 i think looks a lot better and it the is engine endlessly better looking is really good i think that 1.4 t gets a lot of guff from a lot of people just because it's got that little turbo and it's all mid-range but what people don't understand is they're really really high power potential and um you know with a, a larger turbo and a tune those things can make a ton of power and not not just on that note i mean they're really reliable i've seen In, a lot of abarths with you, no maintenance going you already care. have a parts cache for your various fiats so that would actually help right and then everything else like the things with italian cars they inevitably break but this one is mostly mazda and mazda, it is mostly mazda. mazda is reliable and, and it looks really good it like, does look really good th and that looks good enough to justify anything that could possibly break on it and i don't think things will break because like i was saying that 1.4 t engine like they've been out for seven years eight years in this market now they really don't have any you know um, usual failures i mean there's no cylinder head issues no block issues no turbo issues they're port injections you don't have carbon buildup problems that's probably the best thing you could ask for because people yeah, gripe the, on it because the, the nd is Direct injection. Like, yeah, no, I would, I would say, honestly, now that you say that, I would take the Fiat over the Miata because it doesn't have direct injection. Well, yeah, 
pretty and much. I that's, mean, I, I hate that. Even without a turbo, injection. you're going to get carbon buildup. Yeah, and it's just it's so frustrating. And I see people every sixty thousand miles have to replace their entire intake manifold on Audis. And it's just ridiculous. Well, I mean, kind of swinging back to the IS250 before I keep going on this, that has a direct and port injection. Like the Toyota's been doing that for a while, yeah. And so does Ford on the EcoBoost in a lot of cases. Yes. And the only thing they use them for is once in a while, fire the injectors to clean out the carbon. Which exactly. I think, I don't know what that costs to implement, but it's totally worth it. Toyota's decided to do it on all their cars. You know, that's also, I mean, leave it to Toyota to make anything reliable. I know. So, <laughs> But anyway, uh, moving back to the Miata, um, Flying Miata's done a supercharger and a turbocharger kit option for the nd now and it's fuel system limited to 200 horsepower with a direct injection system that's you can make a really meaty good. 200 horsepower but that's all you can make yeah whereas the 1.4 t with a tune alone you're at higher than that with the factory turbo and I, I think i think at the end of the day the miata will be more powerful but the, again it just brings it back like that's not really what you're about with this i mean 200 horsepower on that car is going to be enough for a daily drive. Right. If you're going to make a track car, then yeah, go with right. the Miata. But. I'm not even intending on you know tuning mine necessarily right away, just because it'll have a warranty. Yeah. Um, I but no, I, I really just want a car that, you know, it it needs to be a convertible. That's my main criteria. And I really miss manual operation tops. Power tops have been nothing but a nightmare for me in my experience with them. I've never owned a power operation top, but I could only imagine. Because, yeah, every... It just, it's adding needless complexity. Yeah, I've always had just manual operation. Right. Much faster, much more straightforward. Saves you can weight. pick when it goes down, saves a lot of weight, a lot easier to repair. Um, but in addition to that, I just want a car that I know is reliable. I can go out to it, drive it through the winter, don't care. And, like, my Boxster isn't like that. Like, it doesn't currently have any issues. So you're going to drive the convertible through the winter? No, well, but I'm going to put snow tires on it if I need to have a backup oh, okay. car or something like that. Because, I mean, it's going to turn into my uh, cheap trip mileage car, basically. Your, your front car. Well, that too, well, but I mean, yeah, it's going to replace your, your the fun gas, driving, yeah. you know, when you want to like right. go out on a drive and, you know, enjoy yourself. Rear wheel drive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But in that vein, I do need to get the Abarth because that's the only one that comes with the LSD from the factory. Even though I prefer the Luso trim, which is the mid-level trim. Why don't you just, put in a, why don't you just go get an Abarth LSD? And I may end up doing Luso. that. We'll see. I'm, I'm shopping for those two trim levels i'm not going to get the classica which is the base model one just because of the smaller wheels and the interior is not quite as nice and usually they don't have the lighting package which i do want oh you want the fancy lights because you're a fancy guy uh, i just <laughs> want projector lights wait they, 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 they have normal better. just reflector i think so oh, i love that, that, that i oh would just get God. the base model just because it looks older it's great no anyway so yeah i'm, I'm looking for a luso we'll see i'm probably gonna get one next year but as i was searching for this vl124 I also happened to accidentally trip in my web browser and search uh, Z4M Roadsters, the first-gen Z4M Roadster. I was going to mention that because the last time we were out driving around, every time a Z4M drove by, you almost broke your neck. It like, was the same car drove by us twice, and yes, yes. I did comment on it both times, but I mean, those, yeah, those you, cars are eleven grand, and it's an S54. I think you need to go Z4. see a doctor because you've had a hard-on for this car for like over four hours. It's great. Yeah, like that's. I mean, it's a great car. There aren't any fine prints. Uh, isn't any fine print, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's all right. But, uh, but no, it's. It, I I get what you mean with the Z4M Roadster. Like that's a really great car. Plus, but it's, it's no different than the Boxster, though, in my sense, because I'm trying to eliminate the complexity. That car has an even more complicated power top with power latches, and the latches are really problematic. And it's an S54, which is my favorite BMW engine, but also might be completely boned depending on who owned it. 
True, and your Porsche has already cost you an engine so far, which is a nightmare. And yeah, actually, I think the Z4M is kind of getting to the bottom of its depreciation curve. I'm pretty sure it is because 11 grand—that's a lot of car. That is a, a ton of car for 11 grand. And I think with the with the the Z4, I think the normal one, I think still has probably about five years depreciation ahead of it for like the early ones. Right. But I think with the M, just because you know that whole driver's car without being insanely expensive thing well, is mechanical lsd s54 yeah like the all good that trans, stuff that's kind of disappearing more and people mm-hmm. are gonna start buying those up because i was like i agree i'd I, much rather have one of those I than think an that, e46 M3. i would probably say that might be the ultimate like final bmw before they started going insane with like electrical aids have you stuff. not seen my one series m i got what well, that one is older than 2011 that. And the Z4M is 08. Oh, yeah. So this all right. Is like so, yeah. So newer. All right. So, you had the 1M. So, car, granted, that's a one year only production a car. A one year only car, and they made like five of them. How many did they make? 748 came here, I think. Precisely. Exactly what I mean. So, you have a one, and there's 748 in the world. No, just in North America. It, sorry. In, I think there's in, 1,500 worldwide. In the, it, that's still nothing. I know. Like, I think there's like Z4Ms. That are, there are like tons. in the color white that outnumber tons. the 1M. So, yeah, I mean, for the average Joe, sure. plus the price point, the mm-hmm. Z4M is cheaper than the 1M. But is the 1M that much better than the Z4M? Uh, I don't know. I haven't driven can you a Z4M. Justi- can you justify that difference in price? I, for the I, rarity th- factor and the appreciation, I think so. I, yeah, yeah, probably. If you were looking for a collector, yes. But I think for a driver car, mm-hmm. I would take the Z4M all day. I would take a Z4M over an E46 M3. It's kind, of, it's kind of like when I have people, like when I'm talking to people and they're like, oh yeah, I want to get like a really cool car I can drive around and just beat the crap of. I want to get like a, I want to import an R32. And I'm like, you know, that, yeah, I guess, but like you're going to be dealing with a car that's like kind of appreciating value depending on the one right. you get. Why don't you just get yourself something that's like way more common, like a right. third gen Supra, which is really never going to appreciate to the same level or something like that where you can just like you can beat the ever-living crap out of it forever right. and not have to worry about like Unless ruining it's a, collector a 7m car. car yeah okay well i mean you, re- you put it do something with the engine but <laughs> <laughs> all right so maybe that's a terrible example no it was a good example but I, I get what you're saying like if you're just gonna treat it as a disposable fun car you really should get something you know, comparing yeah. the 1M to the Z4M. Yeah, totally you, get the Z4M because you, you there are a lot of them. Something where if you, you know, r- like run off the road or blow it up, like you're not going to like, you know, be kicking yourself for ruining a car that's, that's going why to be I don't, worth a lot of money. That's why I don't track the E30M3. I get a lot of flack for that from people. No, like, it makes perfect sense. Well, you know, the people, you know, you know who gives you flack for that are people that drive Mark IV Golfs and have no idea how rare exactly. the E30 is. Because the second... Because I, I used to be like that, like, oh, this guy's a pussy because this doesn't drive a super rare car. And then I'm like, once I like, bought a car that's, like, kind of rare-ish, I'm like, ah, this kind of makes sense. And, and, then I, and then I got horribly afraid of my super kind of rare-ish car, and then I sold it immediately. Because I'm See, like, if I break yeah. it once or blow up the engine, I'm screwed for value. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's always something I'm thinking about when I'm shopping for one of these rare cars. But. So, sp- speaking of actually the opposite of rare cars and oh, yeah. uh, Toy- Toyotas, mm-hmm. when I walked in here today, I drove past what can only be described as a very old woman's car. That is why, actually entirely... You're talking about the ES? The, why is there a Lexus ES 330, the one with the 3.3 liter V6, 3MZ? the one 
the one that has all the horrible car um, oil sludge issues. No, well, not this one. Doesn't have enough miles for that. So why why is that here? Have You're asking you, why there's a cashmere beige ES330. Why, why do you have a beige automatic front wheel drive Lexus here? Are you 70 years old? No, actually, <laughs> it's my 90 year old grandmother's car that my family purchased from her because she is she's not able to see well enough to drive anymore, basically. And so I, I was right that it was a very old woman's car. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> nobody else drives an ES330 that color. But oh, I mean, it, this thing was purchased brand new off the showroom floor with like Byzine on headlights, a factory nav system. You know, I actually had a friend that wanted to buy one new, and they asked him for an AARP card, and he didn't have one. They wouldn't let him in. Hmm. It was weird. Welcome to Trump's America. <laughs> anyway, no, this is basically, we, we've got an E46 330Ci down there, a convertible... It's a great car, but it's not good for airport runs when you have like three or four people because it doesn't have enough luggage room when the top is down. Um, so we've been looking for you actually bring, like a Lexus LS. Are, are you going to bring that, that 330 up here? Yeah. That's another great driver's car. It is. is. Ours is an automatic. dirt cheap. Uh, I will have to fix that potentially. Yeah. Well, you're good at that. So you just, yeah, I can you do that things. in a day. That's not a big deal. But I'd, I'll probably just end up selling it. It's probably a little late in the season, maybe, would, by the time I we would, get it up here. I would fix it and then sell it. The only thing money. is, to a convertible market, it isn't worth that much more as a you know, five-speed. Hmm. Okay. If, if I kept it, of course, it would come up here and immediately get parked on a lift where the transmission would be ripped out, flicked off, and then replaced with a manual. But anyway, let me talk about this 05. Yeah, tell me about this Lexus and explain to me why you have a car. So it's got 70,000 miles. It's an 05. It's really, it's had routine maintenance. It's had like a car battery done and then oil changes, but that's it. So I don't know if you noticed, next to it, there are two enormous boxes of parts. Those are all for that car. So everything that it basically needs to be reliable for the next 10 years. It's got a you know, full water pump timing belt kit, plugs. Uh, coils, valve cover gaskets, all the stuff to do the trans fluid filter, engine oil. And and this is going down to Florida. Correct. So nobody's going to think you're a tourist. You're just going to blend in with all the other geriatrics that live down there. Well, except it'll have Minnesota plates on it still. Oh. Well. No, because everybody, nobody actually lives in Florida. It's just a bunch of rich. Right. It's a bunch of rich old people that go down there to escape winter. So yeah, that makes sense. We you, basically you use in. it to go to the airport and to go to food places. <laughs> so really, it doesn't matter that much. Like, I like the 330 down there. It's great. But honestly, if I go down in the summer, I can't even put the top down. It's too hot. Like Wait, a 100 right? degrees. Yeah, I keep that on full yeah, blast while the do. top's down. Well, that's just what you do in Florida. You 104 get... degrees with 100% humidity. Sounds like that Florida. Yeah. No. Nah, the top has to be up. And I am, you know me, I'm a diehard top-down guy. So it's just too hot. Yeah, I, I do know that. It's I like back really dangerous. Is a, is a testament to Burger's top-down guyness. Once you're driving to school during a blizzard, because this is when Edina like didn't close schools for anything, like the, there could literally correct, like there could be a, like a riot and they'd still have school. They just hand out body armor. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So there was like it was snowing probably about, like an inch an hour, and we were drove your your MR2 top down yep. from like across town because you were living up in Medicine Lake at that point. Yes. <laughs> And I was like, I think I was like, I think I got snowed in while we were watching Top Gear. I just like couldn't even go home. So I'm just like, I guess homework's not happening. So pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, no, you, you are literally the most top down guy. If you have a convertible, the top is always down. Also, convertibles look horrible with the top up. For the so. most part, I am inclined to agree. But anyway, yep. No, that's why the ES is here. Hopefully that answers your question. But uh, <laughs> moving on from the beigeous topic I think we've talked about so far on the podcast. 
let's talk about something a little more interesting, which I've got written down here, which is the slow car fast versus fast car slow debate. I don't remember exactly what we were I, talking I, about I throughout the week. I don't think that's a debate. I think that's just an, a testament to... No, it is a debate, but there is a clear, concise, there, correct there's a, answer. There's a correct answer, and it's slow car fast. Absolutely. Because the thing is, the people that drive fast cars slow, they aren't actually car enthusiasts. Those are no, they're people, dentists. Yeah, they're dentists, and they're like teenagers that think that any Lamborghini Aventador is cool because Aventador. Which, like, yeah, I guess like they're kind of cool. But sure. No, I mean, they're not uncool. But they're, no, they're not. Know, anything un- they're that's not automatic uncool. only, I just don't care. Yeah, no, well, that, that's kind of the thing. They're not uncool, but, like, to me, I would take, I actually, I've done this. I've taken a very slow car, my Mazda 5, and daily drive it. Like, you're sure. a slow car fast. Every day is going to be more fun because you're driving that car in this as, as fast as you can 10 tenths all the time 10 tenths redlining every gear change all exactly the time. Yep. and you're like breaking the tires loose and you're going to like hey 50 <laughs> i have a non-turbo fiat 500 i totally understand yeah that's like that's way more fun because when i drive that versus back when i was working at subarus and i had to take like stis oh, um, yeah. to bring them to cars and coffee it was boring because i'm like Okay, cool. When am I ever going to be able to use this? I'm like, all right, let me blip the throttle. Whoa, there we go. There, right, there's, there's now, 55. Now I'm in jail cool. speed. Yep, yeah. now, now I'm immediately getting myself in trouble. Also, exactly. I'm in a bright blue car with a giant spoiler on the back. And <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> exactly. Oh, Where are all the cops? Oh, they're all behind me looking for me. <laughs> no, when I, when I get out of a spirited drive from the gas Fiat and I kind of evaluate how I'm feeling or the, I guess the emotion... Well, because you, you also own, you, you have multiple very fast cars. You I have do. Ferraris I've got the Turbo and, E30 wagon, which is probably the fastest thing I own. It's yeah, a, and then you have the Ferrari, which is the like the, the quintessential fast car slow. Right. And then, and you, then have you have got your, the E30 M3 with the, the S54. E30, and then the 850. 1M. Yeah, and the 1M. Like, you have plenty of fast cars. So you're Absolutely. actually telling me that you would prefer driving the Fiat. Oh, dude. That's why I track the Fiat. <laughs> Like, I'd take the Fiat 500 up to the Brainerd Long Course. We were talking about this in the first episode. Yeah, like yeah, It's yeah. safe to text in that car. It's so slow. <laughs> but the beauty of that is you're, you're paying attention to your driving line. And yes. that's it. So you're actually improving who you are as a driver instead of just being scared shitless in every corner. Exactly. Which is what happens. Like, oh, are my brakes still going to work here in this corner? Of course they are. They're not even hot. <laughs> well, you see, that, that's the thing. It's not that I'm against fast car is slow i mean i've got my own fast car projects sure. that i'm working on but even then like like when i came up with my decision like what am i going to spend this you know 600 bucks i basically fell into right on I, can i should i you know finish building one of my fast car projects or should i take my slow car that i love driving because i think it's a blast to drive which one am I going to do? Obviously, we go with the slow car because that one's more fun to me. I, I mean, agree. the fast car, just like saying, yeah, I've got like, you know, a Civic with a D series that revs at 10,000 RPM or something ridiculous like that. Like, that's just like cool to say. I don't actually like, like driving that sort of stuff. Like, I mean, it's just, it's cool. It's cool to drive once in a while. I agree. But I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Is I mean, a slow car, you're able to use in much more situations. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. like, well, of course, I'm going to fix the car first so that I'm going to use more often because, yeah, I've got fast cars. They get driven like. Five ten times a year, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Fiat gets driven every day. Yeah, so, so that that's kind of that's that, until that's... the transmission blew up. <laughs> so all right, I guess I guess we should say fast car that is 
unreliable versus slow car that is reliable because you can have a slow car that's unreliable and then that just sucks yeah no i wouldn't want that no nobody wants that that's no. wh- that's why yugos are so worth a thousand dollars because they're they're slow and yeah, you unreliable think vintage <laughs> low production I'm like import yeah man that thing's got to be worth some money nope N- nope <laughs> no, it was great value potentially back in the U- day yugo but... gvx the uh... rally home legation model you think that's worth a lot of money no no i'm guessing no, the not. best one in the world might be four grand <laughs> that's that's optimistic i would say even still uh, a keyword i mean the best one but yeah no that that's the thing is i i would love to actually when we have uh guests on we should actually ask them fast car slow versus slow car fast because that's a good thing to turn I, into i've a... never i've never met a car enthusiast that is fast car slow I've, well i've never met one like ever i guess i mean for the most part, I'm thinking people will have on will be at least mildly enthusiastic about cars, but it's entirely possible that there won't be. So I think they'll it'll actually be more interesting if we get somebody that's a little less into cars. Well, I got my question. I got my friend Josh. Like he's got like a I think this Evo is only 500 now, but at one point it was like only. Yeah, but at one point it was like in the nines, 100 horsepower range. I understand. Yes. But he also his daily drive is a right hand drive. B16 Integra makes like 160 horsepower on a cool morning. Like sure. he, he drives, he loves driving. And he's that. had that thing forever too. Yeah, and when he drives the Evo, every time he drives it, something breaks, and then he gets in trouble, and then he goes oh, to jail, and then his insurance goes up. Trailers <laughs> it down to TX2K all the time. Yeah, yeah that that's a be. I mean, that, that that'd be the fast car slow thing. Sure. Um, also, I I think you know we should probably move on from now because i mean we, it's pretty clear that we agree yeah on this. no I, uh, slow car fast is definitely better um do you want to talk national news or should we plug some stuff I, first I, I think let's just take a second and talk about our patreon because that's Sounds good be, it's kind of the, the key to us actually you know being able to produce stuff and sure. get better quality and get rid of and quantity too i mean we are contemplating quality, yes. already even potentially doing two a week if yeah, we have that, time if for i it, if so. i could make that happen i would love that me too i enjoy doing this so hopefully and um, better equipment would be great too so we can get rid of the reverb well that maybe hearing. if you get close to the microphone we're using the exact same equipment for the people since this is an audio <laughs> podcast we are both using identical microphones booms pop filters plugged into the same yeah, mixer but, but the with thing the is same settings i'm super loud and you're you're soft spoken oh hold on let me adjust this gain knob down slightly on your channel does this work does this work that is does too it? quiet <laughs> Echo. But anyway, yeah. So no, fi- fix this I, by well, helping us. Help us in entertain you. And please donate to our Patreon. Yeah, okay. So go to Patreon. Just type in Motor Cult. No space. M-O-T-O-R-C-U-L-T. Find us. Uh, I've got two tiers in there. They're both really cheap. One's at buck fifty a month just to kind of toss us a beer because we do like beer. <laughs> the other one is right basically now. kind of helping us fund equipment and beer. So I've already... Uh, put out all the money for all this equipment and we've got more on the way for the guests and all that kind of stuff so hopefully the quality is good do let us know if you'd like it tweaked in any way um, if you have any topics you like us to talk about yeah. too are and that's always that's actually answer questions and stuff like that's that's I would for the tier that. two people on patreon that's oh, another perfect. fringe benefit right. they have the go. option to dump a question in for us and we actually did get a topic from our first patron oh this week and what was that well it's he wanted to hear, this is actually Scott Berger, he wanted to hear more of our take on an older news story. So something from like the 1980s, and he alluded to something like crumple zones 
from the 1960s <laughs> or the first SRS airbags from the 1980s. And I don't think he actually necessarily meant an article, but just kind of commenting on how the technology came to be, where, and then just how we completely take it for granted now and how it's evolved. That so, seems like something Scott would talk about. I agree. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's an interesting prodding question with no, a, lot of, that, that... a lot of breadth. So I was thinking maybe airbags because the first production car to get them was the 1981 W126 S-Class. Yeah. The SEL. Makes perfect sense. Yes. Also the first car to get Bosch anti-lock brakes. Basically, in any automotive technology, you can either trace to the Mercedes S-Class or the Duesenberg. Exactly. That, that covers probably that... 85% of what you see in your car today. And I think most of the Duesenberg trickle-down technology that we're going to see has probably already trickled down. So the S-Class continues giving us more stuff. I mean, over the years, it's one of the first cars to have the radar cruise control. It's the first car really to do the uh, the double glazing on the glass for the doors. Do we have brake bias control on cars today? Uh, on well, production cars? not manually configurable. Brake manually spot. configurable brake bias control. We do on one vehicle I can think yeah. of. The Duesenberg. No, I was thinking oh. the Hellcat and the GT350 because they so have line locks. That, that's, that, that's trickle down for the Duesenberg. <laughs> okay, I'm glad that we've got this good rapport going on here. So you do the Duesenberg trickle so down. I, I think the better question is what car has had more of an effect on the modern automotive culture? The Duesenberg or the Mercedes S-Class? That we will have to touch on another week <laughs> that because be that's going to take some research, that will take I think. A lot. Yes, that's going to be our Can you main... imagine digging through the Google, like, publish archives of all the scans and, like, finding all the Duesenberg, like, original documentation? Yes. <laughs> that's like going on YouTube and finding those uh, World War II Army instructional videos, which are amazing. <laughs> no, they're great. <laughs> if you want to learn about how a differential works or how an automatic transmission torque converter works, like, they really did a good job. Oh, they Clearly, did an amazing job. They yeah. paid a lot of money to some firm to really make sure that idiots like us could understand what's going yeah, on. Yeah, we, we will have to talk about Duesenbergs at some point. I feel like most of the Duesenberg enthusiast crowd is sitting in a nursing home at the moment, so they might be listening. You never know. But uh, I don't think that, well, I don't unless think they're... They know, I don't know. Uh, well, well, they do have iPads. Sometimes. We should actually transcribe this onto Telegraph for them. Oh, would, yeah. yeah I, we'll, let's go in KBID and find a, a teletype machine, All right, and then the, we'll get the ticker tapes going. And if we ever find Corey... Lost with those wolves. We'll have him. I'm sure we'll find him. It's just whether or not he's alive. That's true. But we'll, when we find him, we'll have him on the ticker tape and telegraphing everything we say we'll for Duesenberg. I don't really enthusiasts. want blood all over my table. I, no, I don't either. It's Jerk. a lovely table. Well, you don't own it, though, right? No. This table came with it. So yeah. it's not really your problem. It's Motorplex's problem. No, it's a previous owner of the unit. So I think this table is going away at some point, but we still have it for now. It's kind of an ugly table, so that's good. I'll get another table. Don't you worry about Can blank. You get one that... Let me worry about blank. All right, good. Because this table actually, everything I said about this table, I don't actually agree with. I was just trying to be nice to you. It's actually a horrific looking table. Yeah, I mean, the previous owner handmade it. It's like. Uh... Oh, no, it, it, it shows. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for those, I mean, again, this is an audio podcast. It's a picture. You cut it's, down a tree in your backyard and, and put, you cut two by four width slats out of it and you laminate them together. And sand it and then put some light varnish on it and then you weld and then, some steel feet onto it. That's yeah, kind of what we're on. Absolutely atrocious. Looking. Anyway, that is not at all car related <laughs> and definitely a digression. How about you talk about the ESPN, ESPN F1 coverage <laughs> from this year, if you can call it coverage at all. That was uh, hot garbage. That's what that was. 
absolutely hot garbage. What was the temperature? Give me Fahrenheit, Celsius, and Kelvin, that, please. That, it was boiling hot. It was over 212 degrees Fahrenheit, 100 wow. degrees Celsius. I don't know what Kelvin would be for that. I think it's 373? 373 Kelvin? No, zero. K- I don't even know. Yeah, it, it's whatever, whatever the boiling point of water is in Kelvin. That's how hot this garbage was. Because, well, basically what they did was they treated it as if it was like an MLB or something, right? Oh, you can just like no. skip large portions, and they just would cut randomly to How many batters on goal are there on the Yeah, like I don't sport. care. Like It's like you watch MLB to take a nap. That is a designated nap time. That's why you watch it. Yeah, there's somebody using a drill next door. It's great. I Maybe. had to just double check and make sure that's what I was hearing. Yeah, I think we should start filming the, or recording this at like 3 o'clock in the morning when nobody's here. Can you make that happen? I'm I usually awake then. Yes. Okay. So, I don't really want to drive down here. Wow, we're good at digression. Anyway, uh, no, so the ESPN F1 coverage was... If you can call it that. Yeah, it, the so-called coverage. They would, <laughs> you would see every lap where nothing happened. And you have to understand, if, you, if you've watched F1 any time since Ayrton Senna died, it has gotten progressively more boring. And they've just been kind of gutting it of everything interesting. So it, there's a it's couple... It's like MTV. Of, there's a couple of interesting things that happen per race. Sure. The race this time... Like five interesting things happened. Every single one, except for one thing, happened during a commercial break, and everybody heard about it, but they couldn't see it. So that's why this so-called coverage was yeah. boiling lava hot garbage. It was just it was a, it was a, just an absolute catastrophe. Are you going to write a strongly worded letter to ESPN? I think that they should have us host it. I would host it. I'd make it interesting. I will happily sit here to be eye candy, but I think you're going to want a second person that pays attention to F1. I I think I would want somebody with a funny accent. The front desk lady at my work is like super on F1. Does she have a funny accent? She could, maybe. I I think we should find somebody from Ireland. That would be excellent, actually. Yes, we should get somebody from Ireland to to be here with me, and we could talk about F1. That's I, way, I think that's a good idea. Yes, uh, Irish accent and me, and we would sit there. The only problem, I'd be mad the entire time. Aren't most of the the races like during the middle of the night here for us? Yes. Okay. But that's all right. Again, perfect for me. Cause I'll just up. move this equipment to the basement of my house. I was I was having a hard fine. time getting here on time at noon today because it's a Saturday. It's the Sabbath. Show our Shabbats. I'm also. I Jewish. don't roll on Shabbos. <laughs> <laughs> Name um, that movie. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but I'm going to talk about something that does not suck. Ooh, but okay, it's not ESPN anymore. No, because I, I, if I get on that, I think I might like rant and Is it say F1-related? something insensitive. That's fine. I do Actually, have this. I have this marked as explicit, so you can do whatever is, you want. Oh, it, you're marked it. Oh, God. that's probably not. I've been now. I've been wanting to say this, but I can now say fuck. That's great. <laughs> yeah. No, you can. But uh, no. Actually, what I want to talk about is kind of F1 related, sort of okay. in a way, because. Now Air, I'm confused, but Air let's go. Senna oh, okay. was like Honda's driver, right? Yeah, I think so. And Ayrton Senna once raced a Sierra. Oh, yeah, he had an NSX. Yeah, he had an NSX. He also uh, did some exhibition racing with uh, a the Honda Civic one-make race, if I'm not mistaken. And um, the Mercedes 2.316 inaugural race. Yes, that's true. Uh, but what I will say, though, is the story that came out on a Japanese nostalgia car uh, over the week of this... Bring a trailer. Oh, you're talking that 10,000 mile red M1, aren't you? Yeah, this bring a trailer. Sure, sure, I saw that. Yeah, that was just insane. This, if, if you guys don't know what bring a trailer is, it's like uh, they know what bring site. a trailer well, is. Yeah, I guess they do, but it's an auction site for classic cars. Um, 
and on the site, or at least uh, enthusiast cars. There's a lot of yeah, modern stuff. On yeah, there there's fun cars, cars that you want to own. I've been on several one M's there, even though I didn't win either. <laughs> I've, I've been on a few weird cars. I think I've been on a Uaz, a Gaz, and a. Please uh, tell me it was a Trabant. No, it was, a, it was actually a G10 uh, Chevy panel van with a 305. Wow. But, are you Tucker now? What just happened? No, nah, I like vans, man. Okay. Vans are but, a th- but a 305 with a toilet bowl injection? No, no, no. This is like a 305 from the 70s. So oh, carbure- carbureted and made like Stricter 30 plate. horsepower. Nice. Yeah. Okay, sorry. But anyway, so this car that sold was a, uh, an EM1. So it's the EM1's the 99-2000 Civic Si. Um, it's a gorgeous car. Oh, it's it's like if you want that's a Honda Civic, Honda shape, if yeah. you want the ultimate Honda Civic that mm-hmm. came to the United States, you can like no further than the EM1. I wholeheartedly agree. It is the SI especially. Well, the EM1 is the SI. Otherwise, it's like an EJ whatever. But oh, okay. But I'm that not, that body style Civic though. Yeah, like the the EK Civic, the yeah. e, EF, EG, EK. The EK was the last one. Sure. Uh, the EM1 is EK Coupe um, SI. So this one sold for. A monumental $22,750, oh, which man. is, I, I saw that. I'm like, did I miss the boat on these? Like, that is insane. But, that's I mean, like, it's a 10,000-mile car. I mean, there are loaner vehicles well, that sell with more than that brand new. Yeah, and, well, the, the thing is, is, I mean, like, a lot of people are like, well, I don't get it. It's a Honda Civic. No, actually, you're right. It is a Honda Civic. But this a is a Honda Civic. Honda Civic. It's got double wishbone suspension. Mm-hmm. It's got trailing arm or double wishbone front suspension, trailing arm rear. It's got a one horse or uh, 100 horsepower per liter, 1.6 liter mm-hmm. uh, engine, which is 160 horsepower. It weighs eh, a little over 2,000 pounds. It comes wow. with a manual transmission. It has functional AC, four wheel disc brakes. What is a Honda? Yeah, but four wheel <laughs> disc brakes, VTEC, which. I mean, everybody makes fun of that, but like in 1999, that was. Fucking and you're talking real VTEC. You're not talking IVTEC. No, like actual like, like it switches V-tech to a cam mode at 5500 RPM, nice. and you get a jump of power. Is that a B series? Yes, it's a B16A2, I think. Okay. But it's. Uh, I like the B series. Yeah, it's a great. It's a great engine. I, honestly, if you want the ultimate front wheel drive performance car that we got in America. And I'm inclined cannot, to agree. It's that or Integra Type R. No, it's that or you can get that 2003 weird hatchy thing or 2002. Oh, God, no, those are terrible. Okay, sorry. Yeah, no, those are... I much prefer the coupe shape, the, especially in the blue. I mean, the red looks nice, but I, the blue yeah, is Yeah, this one was Milano red, um, which, eh, it's not It's not as It cool looks as nice, blue. but the blue, uh, the blue is... The blue is outright better. It's yeah. just a fact. The Electron Blue Pearl is by far the color to get, but Milano for red sure. is... Not bad. That's a strong number two. I would consider having one of those cars in my garage for sure. Is, I would not because you live in St. Paul and it will be stolen. Um, <laughs> okay, down here in Chanhassen then. Yeah, in Chanhassen, yeah. If we have like under lock and key with like landmines around it. Um, I can't believe Anthony's hasn't been stolen before. He still has that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, he doesn't need Dyna, so... Ah, uh, okay. They're He's not, they're not going to steal it, but they probably like, copied the VIN number, VIN on it, and like there's like... I corrected myself and I said VIN, not VIN number. The audience can't see my face, but when somebody says VIN number... It, you're saying vehicle identification number number. Yes. But no, the thing is with this with this <laughs> Civic is, you know, for a long, long time, everybody's saying Honda Civics suck, they're not collectible, nobody cares. Not true. It, there's actually a lot of people that still say that. You know, your average, you know, Minnesota cars and coffee person that goes, you know, and, uh, you know, jerks off to like a... Ferrari, you know, 360, like oh, Medina. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's got the full of that mech. Oh. 
you know, like that. You can do the timing belts with the engine in the car. Oh! <laughs> yeah, like that. You know, it's a, you know, to your average person, like this is this is a car that even it took you a long time to appreciate them. Because no, when those came out, I thought they were really cool. Well, I mean, for the longest time, like, you know, I don't probably, really like Hondas that much. But yeah, like, that's the thing. When it's I like, saw these in 2000, parked at like Best Buy, I'm like, that's a really cool car. I I love Hondas because it's one of those things like. It's it's almost weird things. So like when I first got in the cars, I didn't really appreciate the Civic, but um, no, it, it's one of those things where I really like this car. I do too, and but I have a feeling the people that are shopping for these right now, they're not twenty somethings. I think they're forty somethings. Well, these were the people when they were new were twenty exactly. somethings. These are exactly. the people. This is the thing. This is that's the, how it goes. This with is a collector. Cars. This, this is a collector curve. Is if you ever want to get ahead of the curve, you find the car. You say, when I was. 15 years old yeah. this is the coolest thing since sliced bread and you go buy that car when that car's like 10 grand exactly or in this case you could buy these i remember like when you talk to I, me about the bmw 8 series yeah exactly like i could buy these like back when like a little bit after high school mm-hmm. for like nothing like yeah. seven grand in mint condition you could so buy a I, solid one for 3500 bucks I'm the, the rule is we need about two or three more of these to sell in this price range but is this the new norm like are we going to start seeing like EM1s, like sixty thousand miles, sell for like mid teens. Probably. Like, this car is now. Although I don't know the production numbers. That really does seem to matter a lot. It does, and the EM1 is relatively rare in the world of Hondas. It's a rare car. Sure. It's in the world of cars, pretty common. But I bet you're going to find nice condition, but reasonably ish mileage examples for ten grand. The other thing is, is that these have also been driven to the ground, and every single one on Earth That's has true. been stolen eight times. <laughs> like, a, yeah, clean title one with yeah, no rust. If you can find a clean title for an, for any Honda between 1988 and 2000, yeah, that title alone is probably worth money just because because <laughs> it's not salvaged out. Not that stolen. we're advocating title swapping. <laughs> no, but I mean that title alone. Like, if you find a car like you're gonna junk. Like it's <laughs> worth money. <laughs> but oh um, my word. Yeah, no, th- this car is absolutely amazing. I, I'm really surprised at this and. Uh, yeah, I, I sat there. I'm like, I, I'm like, I was thinking about getting an EK one day, and I guess, I hope I'm not missing the boat. Maybe I should buy one. Well, if but you can find, I mean, like you were saying, if you can find one that doesn't have like a theft recorded record on the title, yeah. and it's got like less than a hundred thousand miles, yeah. and you're not going to drive in the winter to ruin it, well, why not? There's also been like multiple Integra GSRs, which are the VTAC Integras, yeah. on Bring a Trailer that have sold close to 10 grand oh yeah and that's with like mileage as high as like i think i saw one that was like in the 90k range mm-hmm. so we're not these aren't even itrs these are just gsr just the gsr they made a lot but of them. things is like most they made a ton of them but most of them been stolen if you mm-hmm. find one that's in good condition not stolen and never crashed and with not your modified number yeah numbers so many mad. of those were just I think, ghastly mods i think this actually might be the first car of our era like the modern kind of tuner cars where numbers matching might actually matter yeah because I could see that happening with the ITR, the GSR, and the EM1 yeah, SI. Because you're you have a ton of theft, which is why numbers matching on muscle cars mattered. Yep. You have uh, tons of mods again, like muscle cars. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, it was always common. And for, people hogging them up, cutting them up, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And well, the thing is, is like you know, back back in like the mid two thousands, like a bunch of people like there's like a, the like little like trendy words like oh it's a modern muscle car, and that's like what kind of made people that own them seem douchey right but like it in the collector world hondas do have a lot of the same elements that muscle cars had honda also made an element oh my god (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just trying to add to the That's, conversation. That is true. Honda did make an element. But no, this uh, th- there is a um... – God, they threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, but everyone. No, th- no th- this is a car where – long story short, it's – I think that these numbers matching Honda is going to be worth a lot more money. I than agree. You would ever imagine them to be. Because the collectors that are buying this kind of car, there are differences. But predominantly, they're looking for the same stuff with every make. Muscle cars, numbers matching matters. Originality matters. Clean title matters. Ferraris, E30 M3s. I run into the same thing, like a numbers matching matching chassis that hasn't been cut up. It's worth just so much more. If there's any crash on the record, the thing is just, you know, it's not scrap, but I mean, it's not worth nearly as much. Any car that was commonly modified at its peak of depreciation is going to be worth a lot of money. Agreed. Once it's if it's all numbers matching, I wonder about E36 M3s because those things when they hit trough like three four years ago, every one of them has just been annihilated. Yeah, absolutely annihilated. And I think it's gonna happen. I. But then there's also the U.S. market car versus the Euro market car because we got the weird half hog engine and stuff. Well, you know, with that, you know, I guess like uh, with that, I wonder because we recently heard about. The EPA preparing to roll back their uh, cleanliness standards. Yeah. I don't <laughs> um, know if that's going to affect I, I, the I collection, think, but... Well, I mean, for a few years, I think we might start getting the same cars as everybody else in the world. Or possibly a better Well, here's the thing. We you, were, you know more about We were this, on our so. way. Yeah, we were on our way to getting world cars. Yeah. I mean, you notice a lot more European designs and cars that you can buy in Europe that you can now buy here. And unfortunately... That might change moving forward here because, yeah, the EPA is preparing to roll back a lot of these cafe standards put in place under the last presidency. And that won't mean much for us over the next couple of years. But after that, that will really mean that manufacturers won't be able to bring the same engine packages and the same vehicles to the United States as they would in Europe because the EU agreed to the same cafe standards basically in different terms than we did. So manufacturers are putting all their money into developing to this standard, and if they have an engine that doesn't necessarily meet it, they're not necessarily going to bring it here. I know it's a little bit backward, but I think how they federalize engines, this is going to be a big deal. So I, I you know what I I think actually with, with this emission standards, mm-hmm. with these not this these emission standards, this will have more of an effect I think on American cars. Yeah. That we have made here. Well, that's because true. Like, we won't cars, be able to export five-liter Mustangs anymore. Precisely. And I think that's actually probably in 10 years going to be really bad for American cars. Because, I mean, all right. I it, honestly think in 10 years this will have been repealed and we'll be back well, on track. Yeah, but. likely. But, uh, <laughs> no, I think um, as much as I want to be optimistic about this, mm-hmm. because anytime I'm allowed to take a, car, a catalytic converter off a car, I'm right. okay with that. This, however, and we just happen to live in a state that doesn't have emissions testing. Thank for the God! Hey, don't don't tell people about that. I don't want them to bring it back. No, they took it I away because it, it was away. costing a ton of money, and everyone was passing. Yeah, and it was only Wisconsin's problem. I would love safety inspections, though. Boy, that would be nice. Yeah, we should have a tube. Oh, too, well. <laughs> yeah, I, that's I'm ger- all for that. That's the super difficult to pass German safety yeah. inspection. If you see two of marking on any aftermarket part, you know you've got a good part. That is true. Yes, um, but anyway, no, I, I think that this is going to be really problematic for American cars. Uh, not really European cars. I think we're just to see the same you know shit that we'd see you know in, in right. the UK or 
in Japan. You're probably it would, right. it would make yeah. sense to do that. I mean, right. but I think here, uh, American car companies, they will do, they've historically done everything they can to make the, the least, the, the car comes just as close to passing as possible. Right. So if they're well, making. Yeah. Why overachieve? Exactly. But I think what that'll, that will do is they'll do that. They're going to go back to making cars that sell in America, mm-hmm. not in Europe, not in Japan, not in Kenya. And then that's going to create an issue for them. Because I mean, that I now they're. I buy a lot of Kenyan vehicles. Well, you know, I, just as an example, sure. I have bought parts from Kenya because <laughs> there's actually an abundance of Subaru GL10s there. How is that not surprising to me? I have no idea how it ended up that way, <laughs> but it, there's an abundance there. Um, well, I guess I, if you can I've find bought, them somewhere. I've bought, restor- I've bought parts from my restoration from Kenya. But that's just what I'm saying. Is like, I think that it's going to be kind of problematic for American car manufacturers. You know, I would love to see on this sort of same vein – I'd really like to see the 25-year rule be adjusted instead of this EPA rule. You know, I'm not going to lie. Any president that re- has that repeals the 25-year rule... Or not necessarily repeals, but at least ratifies it so it's 20 or 15 or something like yeah, that. Like, or allows much less rare but still rare vehicles in. Or if you can just sign a waiver and say, if I kill myself in a car accident, I'm not going to sue because I'm dead. That would be really nice, too. Yeah. But like, I think, yeah, any, any president that... Or any political member, I could that overlook does a lot that, to support. I that. would be much more likely to vote for somebody. I agree. Questionable if I'd re- if I'd vote for Donald Trump, but I mean, I, I, I still I would, wouldn't. I would, I'm I willing would, to wait my yes. eight years for the Avon time, yeah. <laughs> which I do wholeheartedly intend on importing. For so, the record, all right. Th- this is a car that you mentioned the Renault Avantime. Absolutely, Avon time. I did. Yes, you did, because that is a fantastic car, and nobody is it even a car. It's a van. Yeah, it's a van it, it's coupe. Based it's based on a van. It's a coupe van. It's like a voop. It's a voop. Yes, it's a it's a coupe van. Oh, it's so good. You need to describe this to okay. our so, listeners that don't know European cars. As picture well. a slightly okay. So picture the shape of a Toyota Previa, and then picture the modern lines of like a mid two thousands Nissan design language. Like because, a, like, like a, let's like say an like Ultima. an O3 Maxima or something. Yeah. So you got like the creases and you got like a nice raked windshield and then picture the doors from a Mercedes CL65 AMG <laughs> and then picture four of the finest seats from like the most voluptuous conversion van you can imagine <laughs> and then a glass sun- sunroof the size of the floor pan of a Mini Cooper <laughs> and then paint it metallic blue the color of an em1 civic si yeah. and then the, put giant 18 inch concept car wheels on it and that is what you have with the renault aventime v6 privilege with the you, six speed manual transmission and a vq30 under the hood vq30 or vq vq30 VQ, it's a three liter yep early <sighs> it's a 2001 so it's so cool i know i would that that is a car i would love to drive I, that would be a, and I might end car. up with a DCI or something uh, engine, but I would like to get a privilege with the the VQ. And they have a time period. Yeah, it's like it's like my girlfriend looking for a Renault LeCar just because oh, she really oh, yeah. wants a Renault. Well, uh, those were here. Yeah, I know, but she really wants a Renault Five or right. a Clio, um, preferably a Clio Williams, which she can import, but she can't. What about currently. a two hundred five GTI? She she be she be on on point. With I that. think I our should, I think our first patron that. Scott is interested in a Peugeot two hundred five actually. I would recommend he buys that. I yes. also would recommend that he buys concur. that. I would say the Renault Clio Williams first. 
But, you know, that's actually a whole thing. I, I, we, we mentioned this before on our first episode, I think, but we should have an entire French car episode. Because yeah, it's on the list. There, there are so many amazing French cars. You want to talk about innovation got. too? Yeah, we were crap. talking about the Mercedes S Class and the. You know Doozy? what we can do? I, I would say we should make that a uh, three-way fight between the two of them, between them, and uh, throw in like really any Citroen made prior to Peugeot ownership or whoever owns them. No, it's Renault owns them. Uh, Renault C- owns them. Citroen owns Peugeot. Yeah. Oh, it's Peugeot. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, Cit- Citroen is the parent company. I'm pretty sure. Okay, but yeah, uh, C- Citroen—they've uh, made so many amazing cars. It's just insane. Think, if you look at it, like it's so cool what they've made. I think Nissan still has a really big share of ownership in Renault too, though. Yes, they do. Uh, Carl Skosen, uh, our benevolent overlord. Yes. Uh, he currently owns. Second name drop in two episodes for that <laughs> <Yes>. man. <laughs> I always call him whenever I'm whenever I write about him. I always write in comma benevolent overlord, comma, <laughs> and then my editor has to edit that out. <laughs> I think. Well, I think that's I, what he's for, is yes, it not? I've I've had one that's actually made it through to the final article. Excellent. <laughs> well, I'm glad you keep pushing it through. <laughs> Hopefully you put it in stranger and stranger areas so they stop looking for it. If uh, if nobody knows who Carlos goes and is, he's the evil queen king of numbers, um, to quote 007. Uh, he is the, he's the guy that saved Nissan um, from their economic woes in the late 90s. Because in the late 90s, Nissan was very much in the same position that Chrysler was in 2008. We'll call it a toilet. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, because he, or a biffy. As amazing as Nissan was prior to Renault's taking over them, shockingly, over-engineered cars that are sporty don't sell well to grandmas. So. I, I don't know. You are <laughs> speaking nonsense, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's it's shocking. Grandmas love to hoon. Yeah, I I, I know. I mean, they my do. mother is a grandmother. She's got that BMW M Sport 328D. And that thing is, it's not that fast, like getting up in a straight line, but it's, it's an M Sport. I mean, it's lowered. It's got super tight suspension. It looks awesome. Actually, I was at Seder uh, last night, um, and I was talking to my uncle. You're aware? Seder. It, it's a, 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 just a Jewish Passover dinner thing. Oh. Um, Sorry, I'm not Jewish. Yeah, I know. I just kind of name dropped Can you tell by my I, nose? I, well, all right, yeah, I can, because your nose is small. Do I look like the other side of the equation in Germany? <laughs> In fact, if somebody just saw us podcasting and they didn't know what we were talking about, yeah, they would. They think... might assume that we're doing like a reenactment podcast or something. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. wow, that's a tangent. But, yes, it is. But anyway, no, my my uncle, he's um, he he is like a grandpa, sure. And his car collection has been amazing. Like I'm talking like BMW 850 CSI. Oh, that's way better than my poverty eye. Yes, uh, he had a BMW 850 CSI. He had Dang. a 750Li. Oh, okay. Like an E65? The V12 one. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Just like 2002 to 2007 yeah, or whatever it was. Yep. Sure. Yeah, that one. Um, currently, he has a... The M series of the 6 is the, just the M6, right? Yeah, there's yes, a few variations got, of that now because they have the M6. They have the M6 Grand Coupe, which he's is got, the four-door He's got the, he's got the M6... Oh, I wish I was a Grand Coupe. Those things are the sexiest modern BMW. Yes. And now he uh, just put his down to down payment on a 8 Series. A new 8 Series. The new 8 Series. Yeah, we'll cover and, that at some point. And this guy's, right this guy's in his 70s. So. Well, good. Yeah. Hopefully old, he will old, old people do like to hoon. <laughs> yeah, but I've noticed that. I think we're getting up to the clock here. Um, 
Well, I mean, yeah, we don't have to cut it off necessarily at an hour and 15. I just want to try to keep it consistent, and we are out of stories once we get out of that one. So. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, we do have plenty of stuff to talk about in our future episode um minivans sure. and stuff like that oh, I, i'm scrolling through this list right now <laughs> yeah it's, our it's, list is a, a bunch of good long, stuff so, so yeah we'll no. definitely get back with it um right now i think we're still on a podcast a week we're recording on saturdays and i'm trying to get them out uh for the beginning of the work week either sunday or monday um but we may at some point um especially if we get more patreons here that want us to do it um probably a wednesday release and a sunday release, get you halfway so. through the week and then exactly listen to us talk in your ear while you're reading emails yeah. on, on a wednesday <laughs> oh, oh that reminds me of the south park when randy was lord <laughs> on a wednesday <laughs> <laughs> anyway we're really good at digressions um thanks as always for listening guys if you have any uh questions or uh, want to get in touch with us feel free to get in touch with us over at facebook uh motor cult we're actually at oval bore podcast because that's the only at i could find um, or through Patreon. They have a message service there, there, there as well. There was an at Motor Cult? There were party. every variation you could imagine as well, other than just Motor Cult. What, what were they? Were they just I don't know. Like I didn't stupid, go there. Like, we just, could search it right now. Yeah, probably. I, I'm kind of curious. We'll but, search it after we let yeah, these nice I'm people go back to their job. Go or back they to make their money. job. Instead of having us listen, listen to us talk about Instagram pictures or something. Yeah. <laughs> we do not have an Instagram yet. No, I we may do not. set one up someday, but probably not. But all right, well, on that bombshell. Well, thanks, Ryan. Thank always you. good to chat with you. Yeah, it's always great. And we'll catch all you guys next week. See you later.